Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Uh, give us a call, 208-991-4783, and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Well, today's episode is called of uh, Let George Do It. It's brought to you by the Financial support of our listeners. Thank you so much for all of your support. And today's episode of Let George Do It is called The Bookworm Turns. Personal notice. Danger's my stock and trade. If the job's too tough for you to handle, you got a job for me, George Valentine. Write full details. <laughs> Oil Company of California, on behalf of independent Chevron gas stations and standard stations throughout the West, invites you to Let George Do It. The Bookworm Turns, another adventure of George Valentine. My dear Mr. Valentine... I am the owner of a small bookshop. If you are familiar at all with rare editions, I am sure you will recognize my name, Paul Jacobs Humber. Well, I need your advice. You've heard of bookworms, haven't you? Of Abraham Lincoln study by candlelight? Of students rioting to keep libraries open so that men may learn? Well, for the past two nights, my shop has been broken into... But I simply can't bring myself to call the police because nothing is stolen. Not a book, not a penny from the cash register. So you must be with me tonight by ten o'clock. Because, Mr. Valentine, I believe I am being visited by the most ardent bookworm of them all. A man who jimmies a window merely for the purpose of reading my books. Yes, reading. But reading what? And why? Well, you certainly have enough books, Mr. Homer. Don't you ever sell any? Uh, well, these racks go out in front when the shop is open, Miss Brooks. Oh, careful, oh. careful. Six for a dollar, Look, huh? If we're trying to surprise anyone, it seems to me... Oh, no, he's never broken in this early. I've often stayed here myself till 10 or 11, Mr. Valentine. I've never seen the guy yourself, huh? Only why do I say guy? Why do you say he? Uh, here, there's an aisle through here. Just follow me. I don't want to turn the lights Mr. on. Mr. Humber, why do you... I heard you, I heard you, yes, yes. Uh, I am just guessing, that's all. Uh-huh. Is that the window over there? No, 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 no. The window on the other side of the stockroom. 
Alley entrance, huh? Yes. Uh, here, if my office is in here, we can wait a while. You mean curl up with a book and wait all night? <laughs> oh, well, he'll be here. here uh... What in the... Sounds more like a music store. Well, come on. Hello, Hall. I've been waiting for... Oh. Uh, uh, Rosa. I was just listening to some phonograph records. Uh, this, uh, this is Miss Brooks, uh, Mr. Valentine... Uh, Mrs. Kulich, uh, wife of my assistant Otto here in the shop. <coughs> she does some uh, bookkeeping, too. Oh, how do you do? Hello. Hall, oh, Otto had to go uptown to see somebody. Uh, we live right next door to a little apartment. Uh, uh, Mrs. Uh, Kulich doesn't have a phonograph in her apartment. We uh, have records here, too, a few of them. I understand. Well, she can join the party and Mrs. help us. Mrs. Uh, Kulich isn't the bookworm type, is she? What? Huh? Oh, no, no, no. She wouldn't be the one. I mean, she has her own keys. What is all this? Oh, I mean, the way, aren't I, Mr. Humber? Well, it's something I didn't mention, that's all, Rosa. Are you married, Mr. Humber? I beg your pardon? Oh, no, 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 I'm not, but... Shh. Oh. Well, uh, excuse me now. I'll be leaving. Uh, shh. If you... Be quiet. Well, won't someone tell me what no, on no, earth... Stop it, stop it. You hear that, Valentine? Yeah. Wasn't a car in the alley. I'm sure of that. No, it's from back someplace. Stockroom. What are you listening for? Will you please? Uh, come on, come on through here. Yeah. A little early though, isn't it? For your bookworm to arrive. There. Here, you see it? The light? Yeah. Flashlight. Get out of the way. Get him! Get him! Get home, Mr. Humber. Well, I thought you saw... I saw the shade on the door glass blowing, that's all. But the door's been forced, all right. Still open. He's already gone. He must have heard us. Uh-huh. Yeah, looks that way. He ran out and down the alley. You, you see, it is true, Mr. Valentine, every night. Get the light switch. Oh, yes. Well, but look around. Nothing is touched again. Nothing's ever touched. Here, you see? New set of first editions just in from Boston. and Not even disturbed. Mr. Valentine. Right here, Mr. Hubbard. That's where I saw the flashlight. Uh, what? Your visitor seems to be interested in old books, not new ones. Believe it or not, you're right. He apparently was reading. This book is still open. Well, let me see. What is it? Oh, what some power of the gifted gifts to see ourselves as others see us. Robert Burns? Burns? Why should I know why anybody should like Robert Burns? My background is a printer, Mr. Valentine, not the Oxford Book of English Words. Okay, okay, Otto. I waited to see you because I thought you might have noticed something unusual. I am handyman, shelf dust, and salesman in the shop. Should I have time to notice anything? For three nights running, somebody's been breaking in here. To read books. To read books? What is wrong with that? What would you like? People should only watch... Television? Oh, now look. I know I don't help you. My wife don't help you. It is late. I'm tired. But this humble, my boss, don't you understand? He is uh, what you call uh, persecution with complexes. A what? Always and everything he sees a mystery. So somebody should break in to read. He should make something of this. 
always make something of everything. Why should he worry? There is no damage, is there? No damage All to right, his... All right, skip it, Otto, skip it. Hmm? You say nobody's up to anything, huh? No damage to Mr. Humber? Why worry? What do you but mean? burns is the word, all right. Burns? Can't you tell a fire engine when you hear one? Now, what do you think that smoke's coming from? Come on, let's get out of here. Only nothing's been damaged, George. Somebody broke into Humber's store during the night and didn't steal anything, and now there's a fire, but nothing is damaged. Credit luck and the fire department for that, Angel. Oh, water, water. Just look at the water. What's the matter, Humber? Run a few bindings? Oh, no, no. It isn't important. Only the six for a dollar ones, but... Mr. Valentine, what is it? What's going on? Who is trying to do what to me? The bookworm who reads Burns certainly didn't start the fire, or it would have burned up my entire stock. No, George, the fire didn't actually start here. Ah, but it was aimed here. If the engines hadn't been so the quick... The place next door almost burned to the ground. That was the reason for the fire here. An old apartment, yes, yes, where Rosa and Otto live, but they don't own anything. There was no loss to anybody. Oh, no. It was here, all right, at me, that the fire was aimed. Only why... Mr. Humber, suppose you give me a chance to find out. Hey, uh, Brooksy, there was a fire investigator here a minute ago. Let's find him. Oh, there he is, over there. But, Mr. Valentine... I said I'll do it my own way, thanks. Hey, you. Hey, you, Mac. Hey, I want to talk... Oh. Are you addressing me, young man? I, uh, I thought you were somebody else. Maharaja of Ranapur, perhaps? J.P. Morgan's ghost? Any law against my being me? Sorry. And what are you staring at, mademoiselle? Hmm? Didn't you ever see a shirt with no collar before? It's to display the hair on my chest, naturally. Gray, quite unusual, don't you think? Okay, friends, skip it. No, George. You'll find the children's books on the next counter. What's that one you're looking at? What are you doing here? Georgie, Porgie, Puddin' and Pie. What's it look like I'm doing? Taking a bath, naturally. Kiss the girls and say goodbye. Yeah, let me see that. Get your hands off me. It's a bookstore, isn't it? It's open for business. I'll say it is. It's wide open now. So the book you're interested in is Certain Poems by Robert Burns. Yes, a book of Burns poems. I just picked it up. I suppose you're from the T.S. Eliot Protective hey, League. What is all this? What is going on? Mother? George, it's the same book. I came here to buy this book. Any objections? No. No, friend. Just questions. Like, uh, why? Ah, people. Look here. Edinburgh edition. The Four Dials Press, 1793. Yeah. Yeah, it's an old edition, all right. A very authentic edition, a very rare one. Oh, so I see. Priced at $750. I didn't notice that before. Oh, it is quite valuable, Mr. Valentine. It turned up in a bunch of second-hand things Otto picked up at auction. That's what is so peculiar. Why the bookworm didn't steal it. Wait a minute. I think it's even more peculiar how this man happened to know it was here. Yeah. How about that, friend? My name is Jess. Henry Jess. Not friend. Not even to my enemies. Jess, the critic? Well, I salute you, Mr. Humber. Fame, isn't it wonderful? Yes, yes. Henry Jess, the man who sells his brain for a few dollars a month to sell a book magazine. Hey, hey, get back on the rails, will you? I ask you a simple question. How I knew that book was here? A man told me. Not a bird, a man. What man? Here. An envelope. No, 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 no. Not for you. For you, Mr. Humber. No. A man in my impecunious state will do anything for a commission. Even talk to the likes of you. 
I do buy once in a while for collectors so they can pretend that they know how to pick up the authentic items themselves. Yeah, but this guy's name, the man interested in this particular book. Why should I bother with his name? I don't know. Just a fat man, that's all. Don't ask me how he knew I'd find the edition here. I don't know that either. Emery Whitzel. What? His name. Uh, just a note. Authorization saying he'd be willing to pay up Give to... me that. Uh, uh... Well, what's the matter, Mr. Chess? What's the matter with the name Emery Whitzel? Your client, isn't he? Nothing. Nothing. I didn't realize that was his name, that's all. Just a man who phoned and asked me to make the purchase for him. Look, I'm getting sick and tired well, of all this Well, it speaking. is a perfectly legal authorization, Mr. Valentine. And you too, Mr. Humber. You give me a case that's like a jellyfish. You can't grab onto it. Uh, the case of a bookworm, Mr. Valentine. Never mind. You're a little slippery yourself. Yes, but I've never heard of Emery Whitzel. Be quiet, will you? It's this guy I'm talking to. Who's uh, what? Otto. Hey, Otto. Otto, what's the matter? What happened? Oh, George, there's blood on his... Look, he's been shot. No, no, let go. I... Whitson. What? Bookworm. Henry. Henry Whitson. I take it all back, Mr. Humber. It's a case now, all right. Otto's dead. to tonight's adventure of George Valentine in just a moment. Listen to the difference. Yes, now you can actually hear authentic scientific proof of the difference between new RPM motor oil and premium type motor oils as designated by the American Petroleum Institute. Auto engines are equipped with irradiated piston rings and during operation minute particles of radioactive metal wear off the rings. Geiger counters are thus able to detect the amount of wear actually taking place. Listen now as the Geiger counters click off the difference. First, the low wear rate of the new RPM. Now, the much faster wear rate of the conventional oil. Now, new RPM again. You have just heard authentic scientific proof that new RPM motor oil cuts in half the wear rate of critical engine parts, doubles the life of the average auto engines between major overhauls due to lubrication. Proved in the laboratory and checked out in severe road service, new RPM motor oil is sold with a money-back guarantee of satisfaction. Ask for it at standard stations and independent Chevron gas stations where they say and mean we take better care of your car. And now back to tonight's adventure of George Valentine. Oh, at some power the gift to gee us to see ourselves as others see us. Yes, if your name is George Valentine, that's how your case started. Just a book of poems by Robert Burns. A valuable early edition from the Four Dials Press in Edinburgh. A book that someone broke into Mr. Humber's shop just to read. A book that an agent wanted to buy for a collector named Emery Whitzel. And who was Emery Whitzel? 
Well, Lieutenant Johnson of Homicide has an opinion on that because now it seems the little book may have been the cause of murder. And those were his dying words, weren't they? Witzel. Emery Witzel, he tried to tell you. That's right, Johnson. Otto had apparently been shot just a couple of minutes before out in the street. And then came staggering in for help or to tell us... To tell you who did it, that Witzel did it. Isn't that the usual interpretation? Yeah. Only who is Witzel? Well, now you're asking something else. Well, we'll find him. Don't worry. Oh, don't be too sure. It's like finding the bookworm who disappeared the minute we got close. You ask me, this guy Humber knows a lot more than... Uh Uh-huh. He's the one hired me. It's as much Greek to him as it is to us. Hey, Johnson, check up on that fire, will you, how it started? What? How can you connect the fire? I don't know. Just do it, will you? We've only scratched the surface of this thing so far. But we'll never get deeper unless we retrace what we already got. Like what you said, Brooksy, that the bookworm disappeared. No, he was in the shop last night, but he got away. Correction, Angel. He was scared away before we ever got a chance to see him. Isn't that what really happened? You mean all that phonograph noise and Rosa? Uh-huh. Yeah. I wonder how she's feeling now that she's a widow. Please leave me alone. I don't know anything. I'm I'm sorry, Mrs. Coolidge, but you have to help us. I'm confused. I... Why were you in Mr. Humber's office last night in the first place? It wasn't just to listen to records, was it? Oh, I know what you're thinking, but it's not true. Yes, I like Mr. Humber. In some ways, he's been closer than Otto ever was. But you can't make anything out of it. Otto was my husband. But he's dead now. It's all over. So what's everybody hiding? Nothing. Just... Give me time. Let me think a little while. I'll give you two seconds to tell us who was in the stockroom last night. What? When we heard him, you talked loud. On purpose. You gave him a warning, a chance to get away. No, I didn't. Who was it, your husband? No. Is that what you're so upset about? Wondering whether or not you'd be loyal to a dead husband? No, it wasn't, Otto. I don't know who it was breaking into the store, going through the old editions. Well, you claimed your husband was uptown at the time, I remember. Well, but it's I... true. He was. I don't believe he it. He was. I'm not lying. He was at the Bedford Hotel, room 217. Wow. Well, now we're getting someplace. The Bedford Hotel, huh? Seeing whom? man named Witzel, maybe? No. I don't know any more than that. I don't. Okay, lady. Maybe for now that's enough. It's the middle of the afternoon, friend. Come on, open the door. You got the wrong room. 217 Bedford Hotel. Come on, open up. So you can read. I'm impressed. Yes, and in about one minute, I'll spell out the letters on a badge for you. Come on, come on. Dick Tracy badge? Oh, get back in there. All right. No need to show off your vitamins. Ah, looks like we hit pay dirt fast, eh, Valentine? Yeah, I see what you mean, Johnson. Big fat guy. Answers that book agent's description, all right. Hey, what is this? What's this all about? You tell us, Mr. Witzel. Wrong number. Now, look, wise guy, we're trying to... Name is McGurk. Horace McGurk. Don't try to... Novelties is my line. A surprise for every party. Little Egypt. Watch your shimmy and shake. Exploding cigars. And if you want to shake hands instead... What? Smell a carnation on my coat. Only look out for it. Cut it out. Cut it out. Salesman, huh? Sure. 
Identification. Here, see? Huh? Go on, I won't bite you. Horace J. McGurk, case high novelties, New York, New York. So admit your mistake, boy. <laughs> That's probably Mabel. Uh, I'll ask if she's got a couple of dumb friends for you. Uh, hey, get away from that. Hello? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is me. Go ahead. You know, let's hear it. A coincidence. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Thanks. <laughs> My friend, Mabel's a sergeant. I told him to phone here. Sergeant? I guess I wouldn't have enjoyed the day. If he got anything, and he did. Well, let's have it, Jensen. Record on Emery Witzel. Oh, sure, sure, there's a record. There's such a guy, all right, or there was ten years ago. Yeah. In the phony book business. In New York. Small world. That's my town. What else, Johnson? What do you mean, phony book business? I mean like in forgeries, fakes for genuine. Like maybe that book back there in the shop, the Robert Burns? Who knows? But now... As for you, my friend... New York is such an intimate place. Just sit yourself down and relax, because ten years ago, you would have been about the right age... Hold it, Johnson. To start fires, maybe. Huh? Yeah. You were in the lighter fluid business, too, McGurk, huh? Uh Uh-huh. One, two, three, four, five, six cans... It's perfume. It's a gag, you dopes. And novelties. I showed you my identification. What's a... Perfume? Let me see what it smells like. Get away from that coat, McGurk. Hey, Johnson, duck. Hot be hot foot to your friend, Solo. Holy smoke. Those shots came through the transom. Come on. Somebody's been in the next room all the time. Officer, can you hear me? Got away down the hall. Fire escape door's open. McGurk's dead, all right. A Witzel, whoever he is. Yes, I'll cover the other end. Just get that street closed off fast. No, no, how should I know who it was? Come on, Valentine. Why? To be five blocks behind, skip it. Besides, maybe the answer's right here. Huh? This gun of McGurk's. He fired twice, but there's another shell missing. That could be the one that killed Otto. Looks like about the same caliber. What in the... Never mind. Just grab it for a lab check. Because there was lighter fluid in these cans, Johnson. Smell them. And an empty whiskey bottle on him. Sure, that's what he carried it in. It's empty, too. Okay, so your hunch was right. This guy started the fire, but it doesn't... Let's get back to the place where the fire was. I got an idea. Well, this is what's left of their apartment, Otto and Rose's... I really wrecked it, didn't it? Yeah, so far the only thing to explain anything is a copy of Robert Burns. Two murders for 750 bucks. One at a time, Johnson. McGurk did the first one, right? Sure, sure. It looks like the bullet will check, all right. So somebody else did the second one. Brilliant. McGurk, Whitzel, or whoever it was didn't kill himself. So it's 375 bucks for each murderer. Yeah, wait a minute. What's this? I don't know. Piece of an old lathe, maybe. Hey, Brooksy. Here I am, George. Any luck with Mrs. Coolidge yet? Oh, she won't say anything until she's talked with Mr. Humber. Uh-huh. Never mind. You ever see a steel arm like this on a lathe? George, what on earth is that? Or here. Heavy wooden screw. Or what's left of it. Hey. Printing press. Now you're getting it. Old-fashioned small printing press. And Otto was a printer, wasn't he? Well, he had been in the past, I remember. Johnson, I... suppose Mrs. Coolidge knew her husband was up to something that she didn't like. But the, the phony book business. And that means Humber and that other guy, Jess, are tied right up with it. Take it easy. There was a bookworm, wasn't there? 
That person wouldn't have been tied up with Otto. Otherwise, why prowl around? George, you mean Otto was printing books? Oh, not money. It takes a long time. But sure, remember? Humber even told us Otto himself had picked up the copy of Burns at auction. Book, schmokes, a lousy $700 oh, worth of... Wait a minute. Listen, be quiet, will you? Huh? Just a car, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Hey, hey. Somebody got out and went in the shop there. Come on. So the bookworm is a sucker, huh? Coming back to the book. Up in my Girk's room, I said the book was still in the shop. Well, that person in the next room, the one who killed him, also could have heard us, check. Yeah, but coming back to the place... Wait a minute, hold it. Wait a minute, I want to check that truck. Let's see the registration card. Well, it's McGurk's car. George, look, in the back. Oh, no, no. Not another body. Box, seven or eight foot long, just about the right size for a body. Haven't you figured yet what might be really valuable in this deal worth committing murder for? George, what are you talking about? We're trying to get away from Otto and then having to kill him? Worth burning the apartment so people wouldn't know about the press? Here, here, give me a hand. Let's see what's inside this box. Type. Yeah. Loose type. That's right, old-style print. Yeah, look at the funny capital, see? Sure, Johnson, it's type. Maybe one book is only worth seven fifty, but think what a few hundred supposedly authentic books scattered in markets all over the world would be worth. Holy mackerel. Big enough for you now, isn't it? George. Huh? Oh, here, quick, this way. Coming back again, out of the store. Hold it, hold it. Must be able to see us in there. You got company, friend. Be careful, that gun. Stay here. Kind of a dumb stunt, wasn't it? Coming back to get that one book so there'd be no record of what Otto's type looked like? How are you so far in over your head anyway that... Oh, gonna talk, huh? It's all right. I don't know who you are for sure. Now go on. Otto tried to gasp out the name Emery Witzel, but that didn't do us much good. Whoever it is uses a different name now. But then I thought of a poem which says... To see ourselves as others see us. Move back, I said. That's the car. It suddenly occurred to me Otto wasn't trying to say who his killer was. He was just trying to talk to one of the two people there with me. I I'm moving now. Just take it easy. Back from the car. You mean under the car, because there's a cop to the right of you, Mr. Chess, who's about one second. Oh, excuse me. I guess it was to the left. Yeah, Angel, it was a big-time operation, all right, with a double cross for good measure. You see, Jess and McGurk had found out about that antique type that Otto made, as a hobby, maybe. I don't know whether Otto intended to use it crookedly or not. <laughs> Perhaps he slipped in the copy of the Robert Burns to see how successful he was. Robert George, which one was the bookworm? Jess, of course. You don't think a guy like McGurk could have told a book from a racetrack sheet, do you? Well, no, but why did Jess want to buy a book then? If he... Because he was the brain, Angel. The other guy was the arm. The arm double-crossed him. You see, Jess thought he was going to run it real clever. But McGurk found he couldn't buy off Otto, so he shot him and stole the type and set fire to the place. And Jess didn't even know about all that until he opened that letter right in front of him. Mm-hmm. To find that his partner had signed the name Witzel to it. He did it so Jess, who was really Witzel, would have to go into hiding again while McGurk walked off with a loop. Oh, nice people. 
They've just turned into an arm himself and killed McGurk. No, I thought it was Mr. Humber and Mrs. Coolidge. To see ourselves as others see it, it would from many a blunder free us. <laughs> and foolish notion. Hmm? Foolish notion to keep one's eyes on the emotions instead of the facts. Sometimes you can be the most eager... Rosa Coolidge loves that guy, Humber. But she was loyal the to her husband. The most insufferable. Of course, he doesn't make sense. But... Arrogant. But Conceited. women in love seldom do. Why, you... Don't kill me, Angel. You wanted it explained, didn't you? Hmm. But I know a clue you don't. The name of that poem of Robert Burns you're so glib about. Hmm? What's that? It's called To a Louse. Good night, George. Listen to the difference. In a few seconds, you'll hear Geiger counters measuring automobile engine wear. The engines are equipped with irradiated piston rings, which make it possible for the Geiger counters to detect wear as it occurs. You will hear authentic scientific proof that new RPM motor oil cuts in half the wear rate of critical engine parts, doubles the life of the average auto engine between major overhauls due to lubrication. First, let's listen to the Geiger counter slowly click off the low wear rate of new RPM. Now the much faster wear rate of a premium type oil as designated by the American Petroleum Institute. Now new RPM again. You have just heard Geiger counters clicking off the scientific proof that new RPM motor oil is years ahead. Yes, years ahead. New RPM doubles engine life between major overhauls due to lubrication. Try it. Sold with a money-back guarantee of satisfaction at independent Chevron gas stations and standard stations where they say and mean we take better care of your car. Tonight's adventure of George Valentine has been brought to you by Standard Oil Company of California on behalf of independent Chevron gas stations and standard stations throughout the West. Robert Daly has starred as George with Virginia Gregg as Brooksy. Let George Do It is written by David Victor and Jackson Gillis and directed by Don Clark. Ken Christie was heard as Lieutenant Johnson, Bob Griffin as Humber, Bill Conrad as Jess, Jack Crucian as McGurk, and Lillian Bayef as Rosa. The music is composed and presented by Eddie Dunstetter. Your announcer, John Heaston. Listen again next week, same time, same station, to Let George Do It.
is the Mutual Don Lee Broadcasting System. Welcome back. It's worth mentioning here, um, with the appearance of Ken Christie as uh, Lieutenant Johnson, uh, that we've seen or heard the last of Lieutenant Riley in this series, uh, played by Wally Mayer. Wally Mayer's last show was actually a couple weeks beforehand with the uh, Thanksgiving show we played for you around Thanksgiving. Uh, uh, Wally Mayer would go on, uh, on radio, uh, to, uh, uh, be the, uh, secondary lead on CBS's The Lineup. And at this point, CBS was a much, uh, bigger network, uh, while also making appearances on shows like The Whistler and, uh, Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Uh, so he had a lot going on. Unfortunately, uh, he died very young. Uh, he died in 1951 about a year after this program was made. But uh, I definitely um, miss the, uh, the, I prefer the Lieutenant Riley episodes better than the Lieutenant Johnson episodes. Though, of course, in a lot of episodes, neither Riley or Johnson are around. A big bonus for me was the inclusion of some poetry from Robbie, Robbie Burns. I also like the way this mystery really just kind of built up from something fairly simple and innocuous to a somewhat sinister plot. So well done here. Um, well, that will do it for today. I do have one announcement for our, uh, uh, for our listeners, not necessarily related to this and not something that I'm getting affiliate income, but I think something you might be interested in. The 70th anniversary of the release of Casablanca is, uh, upon us and, uh, Turner Classic Movies is actually uh, doing a one-day theatrical re-release of it. So you can go and watch uh, Casablanca in the theaters. A great uh, show to take uh, teenagers to who haven't seen the movie before. Really introduce it to them as it was meant to be seen. Uh, And uh, information on that is available at uh, fathomevents.com. That's F-A-T-H-O-M events.com. And that's just as an FYI. Uh, I post about this on Facebook and, uh, Chris comments, if you can find it, you should play the Lux Radio version of Casablanca. It is awesome. I remember listening to it as a kid. Well, I listened to it, um, the, the Lux Radio theater version has, um, you know, I liked it okay. Uh, but I had, well, first of all, Casablanca's not really a detective, uh, a detective story, so it wouldn't fit. But the version that they, that, uh, Lux did starred Alan Ladd rather than Humphrey Bogart, and that's kind of a big, uh, difference. I did make it as available as an extra on the premium site, so those of you who have the premium site, uh, can listen to it. Uh, one thing I actually had to do is they cut out one of the most, you know, when they did the Lux version, they cut out one of the most moving scenes, um, in the entire, uh, film, uh, where, uh, they had the singing, uh, where they had the, uh, 
French uh, singing in Rick's place. They cut that whole scene out from showing that on screen, so I had to borrow a little uh, clip from screen uh, from screen uh, the screen guild uh, half hour version, which uh, included that. Um, so interesting to listen to on radio, but. You know, if you can get to see it, uh, I definitely would think you're, you'll have a good time at uh, Casablanca. All right, well, that will do it for today. We will be back uh, tomorrow with Sherlock Holmes and join us next week for Let George Do It. In the meanwhile, from Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off. <laughs>